Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Taylor Damel. Alongside me is the Shark. We're missing Subramanian here today, but we're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Xavier Henry, Javier Henry, subscribes, and you should as well. Check out the website at the-barnmurder.com. That's the-barnmurder.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. In the words of Terrence Subramanian, let's open the curtains. Shark, what do we have to say about uh, Subi since he's not here? Well, let me just say from the outset, what we just listened to right there, for the people that have listened to this podcast before, you just observed and heard what happens when your starting point guard is out. Oh, 100%. And the, and the backup's going to come in. He's playing on the road. There's a lot of press. There's a lot of pressure. The crowd's loud. And you just witnessed that right there with that introduction. Hey, I didn't take the ball. So I, I, I'm like the fat, slow stretch four sitting on the other side of the court. I'm not bothering at all bringing the ball up against this hot press. It was only you. So I'm not going to criticize you for that. But the viewers and our listeners, what they just heard was some serious heat. You know, I'm actually going to go out on a limb and say that I'm a, I'm going to actually say this. I'm a better editor than Subi is. So I'm going to edit this perfectly. To make it seem like there was nothing at all a problem oh, with that. Oh, I, yeah. I'd, I'd expect nothing less. Yeah. Also, Perfect. I could be screwing up right now too. If my <laughs> voice is too loud, or if I'm talking like a guy that's screaming on call, you know, sports talk radio, it's because I just recently purchased one of these headsets. Uh, I got a headset on. I'm like Chuck Pagano on the defense right now, keeping the headset microphone close to my mouth, trying to figure out if I'm conveying the play right here. Or well, in, in the past, I always had the, you know, because we can see each other. I used to always have the little, uh, the I, uh, the Apple iPhone uh, headphones. So, you know, I think he sounds syrupy. I think he sounds smooth right now. So, uh-huh. but it's, it's funny that you brought up the, uh, the point guard 
uh, comparison there because I actually was texting Mace today about how I had to text him twice for the code to get into our like re- recording platform here. And I said that this is what happens when Subi goes away. I'm like a combo guard that just like had to take over, you know, like sometimes I can lead, but sometimes I'm more, sometimes more just pass me the ball, you know, in a pinch, yeah. maybe like six minutes a game of leading the team, but you know, full time, maybe that's not my role. Uh, he compared it to positionless basketball. So uh, maybe that's, that is what we're working towards here. <laughs> You say what you want about the big guy, but he knows how to run an offense. So yeah, right. he, he, he's out right now. Uh, I think he's probably in the air flying a Scottsdale or Phoenix, I guess, but ultimately Scottsdale. I'm going to join up with them come Friday. And we got a bachelor party for someone else, but I'm going to see Subi. I'm going to get, get eyes on him. I'm going to get the big bear in my paws. And uh, right now, <laughs> we're not there yet. So that we're, we sail without him. Well, so here's a question. Just let's figure this out real quick. Okay, so I live in Scottsdale, right? And I'm going to see friend of the program, Justin Hasgard. He's staying at my house tomorrow night. I'm going to catch both the both the boys on Thursday. So how do you treat? And I'm 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 adamant about like, hey, if I catch you guys at a bar here, cool. Would love to see everybody. Right. Yeah, you're 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 a you're a plus one to a bachelor party. But I'm also your, not right. But I'm, this isn't my show. It just happens to be like yeah. two miles from me. So how do you treat? What's the appropriate amount of time for that plus one to be around? Not just me, but in like a general sense, like someone someone comes to your city and you're like, those are your boys, but you also don't want to intrude on their actual activities. Uh, it's a great question. Um, it's one that's been debated for years. Harvard Business School has done studies on this to figure out the correct amount of time that you can log, the, the amount of minutes you should log in a situation like that. I think the only play that you have is to figure out the evening bar spot that is likely going to be the landings point. Now, there's going to be some trickle on, like you're going to be right around the corner throughout the day. But you find that evening bar spot where everyone's going to be, and then you latch on from there because it's like you're just another guy. Oh, you, you just latch. You're just saying just yeah, latch. Yeah, yeah. There's, okay. no, there's no time limit at the final destination. Right. When you're okay. at that final destination, like you're, there's no shot clock. You, you, can just, you can ride it out the rest of the night um, because nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to remember. Um, here's another one of the crew. Now, if you're doing this early in the day, then you're going to raise some eyebrows. Not from the people that know you, but from the people that know the guys that know you. They're going to be the ones talking. Why is Taylor at our house at 10 a.m.? Yeah. <laughs> and again, that's not going to come from me. Also, you bring up Scarred. Shout out Scarred. He's now 3-0 and on his Scarred locks that we've been that's posting huge. on. The, yeah, he's the A-10 specialist. So you got, you got your defensive specialist. You got your three-point specialist. We have an A-10 specialist when it comes to picking winners. Um, I, last question about this. You haven't been out and gone out in Scottsdale before, have you? Oh, I have. I, oh, I, have. I, okay. I, I've, I've set up roots in whiskey row. Okay. Mainly my, my Scottsdale experience was way back in, uh, would have been 13. So had before, a good run. Before we even moved up here then. Or no, right he was living there. Yeah. Oh, he was so living. He just moved up here. Okay. Got yep. it. He would, he just moved there. I got out there in 13, did a little whiskey row. Uh, Hefe is that one of those spots? Mm-hmm. That, yeah, mm-hmm. did a little Hefe. Um, good time, good minutes, good minutes at Scottsdale. Well, you know, much has changed since then, but much hasn't as well. I guess the more things change, the more they stay the same. But you are prime time, uh, spring training here this weekend, which means that all of those type of bars literally open at noon on weekdays and like are look like that at noon on like a Wednesday afternoon. So that's yeah. pretty wild to me. I'll be ready to roll. Don't worry about me. All right. Excited about that. Even more excited for how much of a mess our next episode is going to be because uh, how much college basketball are we going to watch this weekend? How much I'm, college basketball are we going to remember watching this weekend? Well, it, for me, it, it's not about the remember. I'm going to remember it. I, whenever I, tr- I'm an East Coast guy. You know that. Whenever I travel West, I'm like, I might as well be in freaking. Bangkok, you know, like the time zone, I, I can't keep up the three hour. I know it's only three hours, but I cannot adjust to it. So when I got games that ordinarily are going to start at noon for me or one for me, and all of a sudden that's cutting into the time when I'm logging my 20 minutes out, you know, going for a jog every morning, I'm all thrown off. 
uh, you know, I'm not jet lagged. I'm college basketball lagged and I can't, I can't really adjust to the time. So if I miss anything, it's because of that, but I'm going to do my best to stay locked in. There's a lot of good games on Saturday. And I, I mean, the calendar's about to turn to March in a few days here. It's coming. Yeah, We're there. We almost, it's almost time to sleep, but we got the six weeks left essentially of college basketball. Uh, you and I were talking about this before the show. We're only three Sundays away from selection Sunday. And that's just wild. Um, considering that January felt like it took forever. And I've mentioned that a couple of times, but now we are, you know, conference basketball tournament start in two weeks from today. This is really, it, it's time for teams to stop saying, Oh, we're going to get there. Like it's, it's time to be there. And I guess speaking of that, you know, this last weekend, we saw a number of those top teams go down. Did, any of those teams losing concern you about those teams at all? Or is it more of just the, the Baylor's, the Gonzaga's, the San Diego States had to lose at some point before the end of the year? So I think if there's one takeaway, if I, the one thing we've been missing throughout this college basketball season is a clear favorite to win it all. And we now have that in Kansas. Kansas is the team top left bracket. They're going to be the one seed. Everybody's going to be picking them. All the, all the steps all the scrubs that you work with, the people that don't follow this at all, they're going to see that Kansas is the number one overall seed. And I'm, I'm projecting them to win everything, and I think they will, but they're by far the best team in the country. Well, so that's the, that's the point in your bracket, too, where you look at it and you're like, I can't take Kansas. 30% of people in the bracket yeah. challenge are going to pick Kansas, and so you talk yourself out of picking Kansas, even <laughs> though they're like clearly the best team in the country. You got to talk yourself out out of following, you know, being another sheep, right? You don't want to be a sheep. The sheep are going to pick Kansas now. Like that's the sheep team. All right. So if you guys thought that Kansas was your dark horse leading all season, wherever it is, they're no longer the dark horse. That's a sheep pick. Kansas is the team. They have a great center. They got Devin Dotson. They got to, they, they shoot the ball lights out. That's the team. That's going to be the favorite. You got to find a different one. If you want to be a contrarian. So I, I can't remember a weekend that, um, you know, three of the top four teams in the country lost, but none of them really changed in the ranking all that much. None of them really changed in the projections or the bracketology all that much. They're all still projected to be one seeds at San Diego State, Baylor, Kansas, uh, or and Gonzaga, excuse me. And it, it, it was kind of strange to me to see these teams go down, and it's notable but it's not notable in the sense that it changes the projection of any of these teams. I don't think, would you agree with that statement? I think either Kansas or Baylor is going to be a one seed. I don't think we're going to have both of them as a one seed. And the reason I say that is because I think an ACC team is going to be a one seed or Kentucky is going to be a one seed. So let Um, me take, hold on. Let me take this opportunity. You brought ACC up. Let me, let me talk about my predicted uh, ACC coach of the year. Oh, Lenny Hamilton there. Hey, hey you nailed it. Hey, I'm, I'm not going to come at you if I think that you made a good pick. Um, <laughs> that's a good pick. I honestly you know, can't believe they're this good, though. I mean, I, I, I thought that they would be in the contention for the at the top of the ACC. I didn't think they'd be sitting here at a top at a have to have an opportunity for a one seed in the tournament, though. To me, that's wild. And that's uh, Leonard Hamilton, something like the fourth winningest coach in ACC history or some crazy yeah. shit like that. But here's the thing with that. Florida State, the reason that they look so good this year is because the ACC is so bad. This is what stupid fans don't understand that root for middle of the pack ACC teams. Like, you know, my beloved Boston College, I've gotten in the mud with a bunch of fans tonight because I sent out a tweet about Hawaiian shirts that I thought was pathetic and um, desperate, which it is. Like when you're giving Hawaiian shirts to the fan base to go watch your team play, you're desperate. All right. You're desperate to get people to show up. And the defenders of BC, they're saying, oh, we'll bring them in because, you know, anything to get excitement about the program. Give me a break. All right. You, you, anyone is around 500 in the ACC this year because the ACC sucks. There's a probably it's probably a four bid league. You're going to have Virginia make it. You're going to have Duke make it. You're going to have Florida State make it. And you're going to have Louisville make it with the only one maybe being on that bubble is NC State. Outside Notre, of that, Notre Dame. Well, they're making a run at it, right? Well, I mean, Boston College is bringing the Hawaiian shirts and busting them out. Oh, that's true. Excuse me. Sorry. Yeah, that's what you talked about. You didn't didn't consider that factor. Yeah, Yeah. that's totally So 
But the reason Florida State looks so good, in my opinion, is because everyone else stinks in that league. The ACC is not as deep as it historically is, and it sucks for that. But you were right on Leonard Hamilton to bring it back to the original point. It was like the only thing that I have right to be about this entire episode, and we'll get into that a little more later. But to further your point, yeah, teams like Syracuse are 8-8 eight and eight in conference. Clemson is 8-8 eight and eight in conference. B- yeah, even BC is 7-10 and 10 in, in conference, and they're still ahead of Vatek, Miami, Pittsburgh, Wake, and bottom-feeding North Carolina. That's you know what bothers me is right now while they're while we're recording this is North Carolina is about to tip against NC State on like primetime ESPN. We couldn't have moved that game out for we're gonna watch a ten and seventeen team play here with three weeks left in the in the season. We have to turn on ESPN's main channel and watch like the shittiest UNC team of all time just because they name bring you just because they bring the name with them. But that's neither here nor like Dayton's game right now isn't even on TV. Like there's not even a package that carries Dayton's game on currently, which sucks because this is the year of the mid major. Like the act, the mid major school that is actually a title contender. Like every year, you're always going to have those little guys that are going to fuck around and be a 12 seed and win maybe two games. But this year, these smaller schools, these A10 schools like Dayton and the San Diego States, um, you know, whoever else you want to throw into that. I know you're a big right state guy, but they can actually make legitimate runs like that can happen this year. In the past, we've had great talents like Zion. We've had great talents like, um, you know, who is who is the, the, the other you know, plug plug in anyone right now that you want, like <laughs> perennial number one overall picks. Marvin Bagley has come to my mind right now for whatever reason. But we've had these guys. And this year, who the hell is the first pick in the draft? Who are you right. picking first? James Wiseman? Anthony Edwards, maybe, yeah. I'm like, it's weird. Like, well, it's weird. and it, well, it's just, and not to talk about it, the NBA too much, but it's a weird year in the NBA as well. And like, the Eastern Conference is actually good. The Warriors are awful, so they're going to have a pick of someone that you normally wouldn't, which is why someone might go number one. It's almost more yeah. like more of an NFL draft, drafting for need rather than the best player uh, available. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I will let you have this opportunity right now, and actually, I'll give you a choice. Would you rather talk about your Tennessee Vols first, or my Arizona Wildcats first? So, um, I, I'll I'll take I'll take the Vols right here. I'm not gonna. I know you guys are probably like, why the hell are we talking about the Tennessee Vols? You know, they're not on the bubble right now. They're irrelevant. They were killed in Louisville when Ryan Klein daggered them 17 times in a row last year. And I, you know what? I agree with you, but for whatever reason, I had hope on Saturday that they were going to go into Auburn, which by the way, can we start giving Auburn more credit for their, home I think field, home well, court we, advantage? we are an Auburn podcast now. So yeah, uh, I, I, like I, I honestly think the Celtics could go into Auburn and they'd lose. So it's just a freaking madhouse in there. And then I was watching that game. They had, I was torn. They had one of those kids sitting in the front row uh, that you could see on the CBS broadcast the entire game where he was the kind of guy that like whenever a big play happened for his team, he'd jump up and down and like run down the aisle and high five everyone. I'm like a large part of me as I watch that as a 30 year old man right now. And I think, fuck that kid. Like I would, I couldn't stand that guy. But at the same time, I love his, I love his fire. You know, I love that guy's fire. He went the whole game. Like he was out. He could have been slapping the floor. So props to that kid. But the reason I wanted just to talk about that Tennessee game, opportunity to get themselves back into the bubble conversation. As we know, terrible bubble this year. Horrible bubble. You know, like anyone could get onto this bubble. If you really wanted to, like you could talk your way. Literally you just talk your way. You only need to win like two. If you win two or three games in a row, you're, five, you're yeah. straight up onto the bubble talk, right? There, there's like Providence which uh, I, I had a thing with the Providence fans last week too. Uh, Providence is like a good bubble team at this point, and they have 13 losses, and it's not even March yet. Um, so in that game, Tennessee, if they beat Auburn on the road, they're back in. They're back in that bubble. They're killing them in the second half. They're up by 17. They are up by 17 on the road, about 15 minutes left, and all of a sudden the Auburn run starts to happen. You can feel it coming. That kid that I said that I hated, but at the same time I respected, he's bouncing up and down like a rabbit in that front row. Like it's coming. Samir Dowdy's hitting threes left and right. At one point he had nine straight points. And for whatever reason, and this is a the, the Achilles heel 
of Rick Barnes. He decides to not call a timeout in the midst of a, you know, like a vintage Auburn run. Auburn is on a 9-0 run, no timeout. Auburn's on a 13-0 run, no timeout. He just lets it play out for about seven minutes. And the only way I can possibly comprehend what he was doing, and I'm kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel to figure out what's happening. He froze. Like he legitimately froze in a pressure-filled moment. And I, I can say, you know, I don't, you know, I, you know, I, I, I got military experience. All right, I've been in the military. I don't want to say what branch at all, but I would equate and I would analogize exactly what I saw from Rick Barnes to being a recruit in boot camp, getting his ass reamed out, freezing in the moment, and not knowing which way to turn, what to pick up, what to put down what shoe to put on first. That was Rick Barnes for about seven minutes as he held on to his timeouts to conceivably let his players figure out what to, how to handle this you know, stress-filled environment. And the brutal part of all of this was you know, they, eventually they scored a bucket to stop the run. It peaked at 20-2. to two. And when the game ended, Tennessee still had two timeouts in that back pocket. So all of that run where Coach Barnes could have stopped you know, kind of suck some of the air out of Auburn Arena. They didn't. And here they are firmly very far away from the bubble. So I was at a wedding this weekend uh, in Colorado, you know, trying to pay attention to most of the games that I possibly could, uh, just like any weekend, as, as we all do. And I was like, oh, my God, Tennessee's going to beat Auburn. This is really going to, you know, fuck with Auburn fans. And where are they going to lie? T- is Tennessee back? for the 50th time, you know, and I couldn't believe as I continued to update uh, and I lost service there for a little bit and you just sit, sitting there and you're thinking, well, what the hell happened? You know, I, it, what I, and, and I'm glad you just explained it to me in, in further detail there. Cause I was wondering that same thing where it was like, okay, this team was up. I mean, how many were they up at one point? They were, I think it was 18 in the second half. Right. They had it there with about 16 minutes to go in the game. And, and it's not uh, it, even like it was a high-scoring game either. You know, no. so 73-66 is a pretty normal scoring game, maybe even a touch low for, uh, for you know, those teams. So there's not that many possessions to make up 18 points. No, it, it was all a buzzsaw, too. I mean, it all happened when our point guard, Santiago Viscovi, uh, who, by the way, Auburn fans, um, come on, let's show some class out here. They a hot mic picked up uh, someone screaming at Vescovi to either go back. He's from Uruguay. It sounded like he said, go back to Italy, but uh, he is from Uruguay. Go back to Uruguay or Italy. This is America. Like, come on, man. But let's clean that up. And Vescovi, he, he, he runs our offense. Like, he's a very good player. He's very smooth, very he's like Manu Ginobili-like as Logue. I'll give Logue credit for that one. A lot of Manu Ginobili and Santiago Vescovi. How's that for a rhyme? But when he went out, that that's when the run happened right there. Um, and you know, we had our we had our little petrified recruit, you know, staring down our drill instructor, waiting for the run to end, waiting for the storm to pass. So the number one thing I took from that is uh, I'm sure you played FIFA growing up, right? I did. Is every time I hear anyone say Uruguay, I picture that guy's voice in the back of my head. Going, Uruguay has the ball. Yeah. Yeah, that's obviously an awful rendition of that. But for some reason, that's really all I took from the last thing you just said is now I have the FIFA announcer from like 2007, his uh, his voice in the back of my head. So I appreciate that. You're welcome. That's the hard hitting stuff that we get to when our leader is uh, is is not here to keep us in line. Yeah. And before, can you know, I, I think we've beaten that to a dead horse and I, I want to set you up properly for your Arizona take because, mm. uh, you know, my, my deepest condolences that my guy Peyton Pritchard had to be the one to really just bury you one last time. But I want to take this. I'm, I'm not ready to go there yet. I just want to, cause I mentioned it up briefly. I want to talk about the Providence people. Sure. Let's these height. Yeah. These hyenas that came out of the woodwork. So I, you know, I sent out, uh, I missed last Wednesday's episode because I went to the Georgetown Providence game. Um, I'm oh, at yeah. the game. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah, we should have led with your experience. I yeah, you know, like it's over at this point. You know, that the damage has been done. I was attacked. Um, I went to the game. Mac McClung leaves the game in like the first 12 minutes of it. Providence, they're losing in the first half. They go on to win in the second half. Great. Big win, but not a big win. 
I'm not rooting for Georgetown. This is the misconception that people have. I don't like Georgetown. I don't think they're a very good team. I was there mainly just seeing what Providence was about. So I go to this game. Georgetown goes on to win. Providence fans, after the game, were super excited about their victory. They take to Twitter. Then you got these national pundits, some college basketball media folks getting out there tweeting like, Georgetown just picks up another quad one win. And I see this tweet. And I I look at it like, it's not a quad one. Like, yeah, okay, maybe it's a quad one win, but like Georgetown wasn't playing with their two best players. Mac McClung wasn't playing. Omar Seven wasn't playing. And Providence, for them to go out there and brag about a big quad one win, I think it's fair to, you know, put a little asterisk next next to that quad one win. And I tell you, the analogy I would give for this would be like if – Rutgers beat Iowa and in the game Iowa didn't have Luca Garza and um Fran McCaffrey's kid like they didn't play then you'd be like all right well that's not actually a good win for Rutgers right there like their two best players didn't play so I questioned the quad one win and as soon as I did that the the Providence hyenas came after me like they ratioed me to Timbuktu I Sent the tweet. I had about 22 replies to four likes afterwards. They came out of the woodwork for me. I had one guy calling me a freak show. Just to, I did see that. Right. I did see that, yes. That's just hurtful. You know what I mean? Like, one, getting ratioed like that. Like, I my own. But two, getting the, the hard words. You know, I tried to hop in and support you a little bit there, and I got what was probably the worst Twitter argument response I've ever heard in my life. Would you or read in my life? Would you concur with that statement? Yeah. Um, it, was, it was, it was pretty bad. The guy I, that I, criticized your first name. Yeah, it's a, it's never a good move. Like, you know, you're not a good witty individual when you just critiques a fact that can't be changed. Like your first name. It's not even like an uncommon name. No, it's like there's millions of people named Taylor. So I'm not sure what, you know, his response to whatever. Oh, was I questioning? I believe I was questioning why Georgetown was even considered a quad one win in the first place. Yeah, I, that I think that's the fairest point. Like, I don't like Georgetown. I think they're a lousy team. How the hell did they squeak into sneak into quad one? You know? Well, that's just, a, uh, I think, a reminder of how many teams there are in college basketball. That if yeah. like if Georgetown is a quad one win, that means pretty much everybody in a major conference is a quad one win. Pre- I mean, pretty much, right? If if the, quad one would be what first of the it's like the top ninety teams in the country. Then if there's three hundred sixty some teams, so it's yeah, like oh, okay, I, so so every ever conference win is a is a quad one win, I guess. It's some calculation. Then you got the net rating as well. But like at the end of the day, you're going to consider the team that you beat and how healthy they were at the time. Like people aren't stupid. The committee's not stupid. And for Providence to just like pretend that this was an actual win against the Georgetown fully prep team. And I get injuries happen, but we're talking about their two best players here. All right. It's a little different. All right. If Pipkins and Alpha Diallo weren't playing, I think you guys would be standing on top of the mountain screaming that as well. You hyenas. I want to take this opportunity to personally apologize to you for uh, Marcus Howard and Marquette, not furthering, this point or backing up our point uh, on Saturday or on Saturday against uh, Providence. I was set up for failure right there. Like I really needed Providence to lose. And unfortunately I had the biggest loser in the big East come in and try to back me right there. And I was stuck with Marcus Howard. Now, if I, if I had, you know, you know, Marcus Zagorowski from Creighton or um, hell, I would have even taken Kamar Baldwin from Butler. Like that is your boy. Be my guy. Is Kamar Baldwin officially one of your boys? Have we established that? No, I can't. I can't take him. I honestly, I'd rather have Powell and Zagorowski over over Baldwin. Well, sure. Um, Well, I Tyshawn Alexander too. I'd take two guys on Creighton over him. Tyshawn Alexander is dope. Yeah, but so speaking or go ahead, go ahead. No, I got nothing else. Like the Providence, like I, I said, I it was a traumatizing week you know like my profile somewhat grew a little bit you know people people got a feel for the shark and i will say i respect the passion on these motherfuckers yeah i like them the fact that you're willing to just go it's like a you don't you don't even have to know what the fight's about these guys are showing up and they're going to be there to support everyone else that's a providence fan so good for them i hope you know maybe they like they're by far the greatest 12 lost team i've ever seen in february 
So good for them. And, uh, you know, maybe they'll finally make a sweet, sweet 16 in this century and they can have something to be proud of. But, hey, good for them. Yeah, your your Twitter beef with them was kind of like a, a 2 a.m. bar fight that sprawls out onto the street. And you just everybody that's there just starts swinging at the one guy that's not wearing the right colors. That's it. No, I, I, I'm pretty sure that was it. Yeah. Let's call it a dive bar, too, because that would be more of an accurate uh, perfect you know, description of their season. So, so if you'll, I, I'm going to take this opportunity to okay. make an outlet pass right here. And okay. I made the outlet pass like we're, we're in a fast break at this point. Uh, we're looking at, you know, maybe a three on one, four on two type scenario. Walk me through your Saturday night. Because I try to stay away from you really probing you two. But you got bodied. <laughs> you got bodied pretty hard. Well, so like I said, it was like a, a combination of the worst things possible. So I'm at a wedding trying to stream this game on my phone in the mountains in Vail, Colorado. So you already know that like the service isn't great. You're also not trying to be a huge dick Uh being the obvious guy streaming a basketball game while every well like mother or mother son dance and stuff like that you know that and is so, a dick move. yeah i know so that's why i was trying not to do that you know and so smart typical arizona so far this season and i meant to look this up but i i didn't um i'm guessing that at every single game this season aside from the oregon state loss and the UCLA loss that Arizona's probably been with a position either have the lead or within a possession or two with six minutes left. And would you concur with that statement? I would. And you to hit it more on the point you were the last time you played Oregon in Eugene. Yeah. We were up six with a minute and a half to play in Eugene and we were up four with 54 seconds to play in Tucson. And it's uh, while I will give Peyton Pritchard, and I'll eat the crow and because he had a phenomenal game. He made all the winning plays. He had 38, right? Career high 38. Yeah, it's very kind of you to give the guy that had pretty much half his team's points uh, credit for the victory there. Well, but what I'm saying is, is Arizona, I, Arizona missed free throws necessary in both those games. Those should both be Arizona wins if they don't shoot literally 43 Forty-seven percent from the free throw line, and that's um, that's not anything against Oregon. That's just talking about how shitty this Arizona basketball team is. They have no sack, negative sack on this team. Because if you have the lead with like the five-minute mark of every single basketball game, how do you have eight losses on the year? And even worse than that, this is probably this. I'm not even sure I can ever remember an Arizona game like this or very many basketball games like this arizona had not one but two free throws with virtually no time left on the clock at the end of regulation and all they needed was one josh green to win it well didn't that happen twice like didn't it happen yeah yeah, we're gonna get to that right okay we're doing a a slow build up here (laughs) in regulation josh green misses two free throws either one of them would have won the game there was one second left less than a second left whatever that is just shocking to me. How that happens is just unbelievable. Then we get to overtime, and Peyton Pritchard fouls Christian Coloco with one second left, and we just needed one to tie the game, and we blow both of those. I've never seen a basketball game like that, at least from Arizona. I'm not even sure I can remember I, I've ever seen that from any team before, where all you needed – like it, it, my buddies all coach high school basketball, right? And if they had, there's not any players on their team that would probably miss four free throws in a row to win the game. I mean, there probably is. But even in those practice, those kids would probably run for like the next weeks at a time. Or all they would be doing is shooting free throws, right? Like how does a team, or how do players at this level miss those type of shots? That's what I come away thinking from this game. Let me ask you this. When you were streaming it on your phone and it would show up like, Miss free throw. Did you, did you think like there was a glitch on the ESPN app where it, like kept saying miss free throw? Like there's well, no way you could miss. Yeah. Well, you know what happens at the end of those games when there's uh, like reviews and, you know, last minute fouls and stuff like that. The updating on the app takes 
like yeah. five minutes, right? And so you're just thinking they're like, what the hell happened? You're like, and, oh, there's no way you could miss this many free throws. Yeah, right. They got exactly. it wrong. The, the exactly. got it wrong. <laughs> right. Meanwhile, so Scoob, Scooby's over there probably having a heart attack or hernia, just trying to understand and comprehend exactly what he just saw. Uh, so I don't know. You know, I don't know if – because, you know, most of the fan base is – really starting to turn on Sean Miller, which I understand eight losses with this team and just not even just this team, but you know, the, the gradual progression of probably having more too many losses over the last couple of years that we should have. But I also think it's tough to fault Sean Miller when literally if the team would have hit two more free throws over the course of both games against Oregon, they would have swept Oregon this year. Like, is that Sean Miller's fault that they went 10 of 21 from the free throw line this, this last game? That, that's an actual question for you. That's not rhetorical. Like, is it a might, coach's fault that they, that they missed half of their free throws? Might be. Depends on how he runs his practice. Uh, the, the best way to get free throws to go down in critical game moments is to make sure that if you want to end practice, you know, you got to hit free throws or else everybody runs. So maybe Sean Miller's not doing that. So I hate to, I hate a to, journalist should ask that question of him in a press conference. Actually. Yeah. Well, the, the journalists in Tucson are all awful, but you know, what made this game even worse is the fact that there's another specific team that has now taken the lead in the PAC 12 conference and out of nowhere, Bobby fucking Hurley is atop the PAC 12 conference right now. And I don't, I'm not sure how they went from, because Arizona absolutely demolished them in Tucson the first couple, you know, first or second week into the new year. They looked like they were absolutely dead in the water. They looked like two completely different basketball teams. One looked like an NBA team. The other looked like a high school team. And since that game and since that second game when Arizona allowed Arizona State to come all the way back 22 points in the second half, Arizona State's looked like the best team in the conference. They, I, I know I texted you and Subi this because I'm I'm an Oregon supporter and I was watching the game that they played in Tucson on Thursday night, but Arizona State's nasty. Remy Martin, they had another guard that literally could create a bucket whenever he wanted. Verge. Yeah, that's the guy who scored like 50 <laughs> points earlier this year or whatever. Tough last name, but um Verge. Uh but yeah, anyways, that guy was nasty. He could create a shot whenever he wanted. They, they they're a good team. Um and Bobby Hurley, you know, he's 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 great. He's a crazy enough guy. You never know what can happen in March. But I was very impressed with them. They really made, they played great defensively too. They made Oregon completely one dimensional, uh, and by one dimensional, they shut down Pritchard for about thirty five minutes in that game. And then the only way he could score was by shooting twenty seven foot threes, which you know he can hit every he once can, in a while. Right. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you 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 and Subi would know that, but. Um, all too yeah. well, all too well. But yeah, they're good, man. They're the. I was very impressed with Arizona State. They they they're on my radar over here. They uh, it's really weird that the Pac-12 now and and we kind of, but we didn't expect the teams involved to actually be a part of that model. You know, UCLA up there, they've won five in a row. They're ten and five in conference. Colorado has a couple losses that they shouldn't this year. Same with Arizona and same with Oregon. You know, Washington fell completely off. And they're the they're the North Carolina of the of the Pac-12 this year. They're in last place. And so it's really strange to me. And I'm not sure how sustainable. And this isn't my ASU hate. This is more so as uh, you know, teams like UCLA and Arizona State. How sustainable is their success? Is this just a product of the bottom of the Pac-12 not being as good? Or are they actually legitimately good teams that you think you would take them in March to go win a game or two? I still think the only team in that conference that can make it beyond the Sweet 16 is Oregon. Um, that's a big, probably a big shocker to you right there. But I, well, I, no, I'm no, it. it's it's, yeah. it's not though because I, I want to say Arizona. I want to convince myself because no, I, 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 you know, but but I can't because all of the games that Arizona has lost have been the tournament type games where you need to, one more bucket, you need to hit your free throws, and they clearly haven't shown any ability to do that. And so I wish I could sit here and take Arizona. I wish I could sit here and take Colorado too, because I was pretty high on Colorado before the year. But they fuck around and lose a, a couple games yeah. that they shouldn't either. 
that that was a brutal loss to UCLA, uh, especially at home when you're kind of the front runner for the Pac-12 at that point. But when when you look at the Pac-12, I'm seeing a whole bunch of seven and ten seeds. Like they're they're going to be a seven through ten. You know, they're going to be in that eight nine matchup, or they're gonna they're gonna have to play a very good team in the second round. Now, I will say this could work in Arizona's favor, and the only reason way it would work in Arizona's favor, and I'm you know I'm kind of seeing the board right now. Seeing the board, I'm putting Arizona as a, let's call them an eight seed. And they get San Diego State, who's a one seed in right. that second round. Then all of a sudden, you're you're bringing in kind of like the same, you know, van wearing, you know, big sunglasses wearing, like uh, short sleeve button down with no collar wearing guys from both sides. But the fan base for Arizona is a little bit bigger. A lot bigger. I'm taking yeah. you guys in that one right there. Yeah, you're no, big brother in that situation. Yeah, no, that's a and that's a funny uh, comparison because you you pretty much walk, you have a walk from there if you knock off that number one seed, obviously, because yep. you don't play anyone hot. You wouldn't play anyone higher than four seed on your way to to at least the elite eight. So I mean, or one as more Arizona game is all that like, would be, but. Yeah, I don't want you guys to get discouraged. What you need to be hoping for is that you get the right draw at this point. Stop caring about the seed, yeah. you get the right draw, and you get the right location where you're going to play. You want to be in the West Bracket. You want to have an opportunity because the talent's there. You guys have the talent. There's no doubt about that. It's just a matter of having the balls to win a game. Well, I hate to be this guy, but I'm going to be this guy anyway. There's a huge uh, portion of our fan base that always wants to relate everything to Arizona's national championship in 1997. Oh, it feels like this. Oh, it feels like that. This actually does feel like 1997 because they had the star freshman point guard. They had a good two guard and they underperformed all year and came in way under seeded. And then were the only team ever to knock off four number one seeds on the way to the national championship. This is actually the only apt comparison to that team because they have underperformed and they actually do have good guards. Will it actually show? No, because we're probably going to miss two free throws in the first round against some fucking shitty school. Right State, watch. That's what's going to happen is we're going to play Right State like in the first round, and we're going to somehow sneak like a five seed, whatever. We're going to uh, play some shitty Right State team that I've been hounding on or pounding on all year, and it's going to be my – I'm going to have painted my own device there. I, I have no clue about the history of you making that prediction, but I imagine most Arizona fans probably equate a somewhat underachieving season to the year that they went on to play in a national championship game. And to that, I would say, have you ever seen the movie Along Came Polly? Yes, I can't. Uh, a long time ago, but yeah. All right. So in that movie, there's a scene that comes at the very end of that movie where Ben Stiller's dad, Ben Stiller, plays a character named Reuben Pfeffer. His dad, I believe, is named Irving Pfeffer. Irving Pfeffer confronts Ben Stiller's best friend in the movie, who was played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, the infamous Sandy Lyle, who plays a uh, child actor that went on to have a failed acting career as an adult. Ben Stiller's father always was very soft-spoken. He barely ever spoken to uh, Ben Stiller, to Philip Seymour Hoffman, to anyone. But at the end of the movie, he confronts Sandy Lyle, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, and says, it's always the same with you, huh, pal? You did this one movie 100 years ago, and you've been living off that ever since. When are you going to move on? Move on with your life. So it's always the same with fan bases like you guys, where you're living and riding off your coattails from what you did a long time ago. Hate to tell you, but you did Crocodile Tears a long time ago, my friend. Oh, yeah. And we had that conversation with Logue last week, you know, comparing right. Indiana basketball to like Nebraska football, where it's like uh, <laughs> you guys haven't won a, anything in like 35 years. That's well, right. Yeah. And and yeah, no, we're we're to that point with Arizona as well. Arizona's last final four was almost 20 years ago. Right. Which is just wild. I know. To think about, you know, Um and their last national championship was almost 25 years ago, 23 years ago. So, yeah, kind of wild. But we let's move off Arizona. Uh, we could, I could sit here and cry about that for, for weeks at a time. But we'll move on here to uh, some upcoming games this weekend. And, uh, you know, obviously, like we've been talking about, there's a number of big games that happened last weekend. And there's a number of them coming up this weekend. Do you have any particular games that you have your eye on as kind of like either the biggest game of the weekend or maybe the most pivotal? 
I got to admit it before I get into that. It's kind of funny how we went through an entire podcast and we didn't talk about the one matchup between Baylor and Kansas. And frankly, I kind of, you know, everyone's probably already dissected that already. Um, I know we touched on Kansas a little bit already, but it's kind of impressive that we were able to go. What is it right now? 43 minutes without really diving into that game. You know, it's kind of like I said at the start, though, is do we do we think any differently about those teams? The only takeaway I, I, I had, personally. no, n- neither do I. The only thing that was revealed to me was that Jared Butler is the guy for Baylor at this point. Yeah. Uh, you know, they had so many cooks in the kitchen, you know, a lot of good cooks, a lot of good chefs that they had in there. But this guy, he, he's the main, is the sous chef the main chef? No, no this, that's, that's the, that's the back. That's the assistant. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's the, he's the John Favreau of chefs in that kitchen right now. And everyone else is a sous chef. Jared there Butler, you, that guy had a great game. Uh, kind of surprising. Good nugget from my uh, friend of the program here, Hotard Jared Butler from New Orleans. What, uh, LSU getting getting a little cheap in terms of terms of paying for their players, right there. Like, how do you let that guy out of there and go yeah, play right. for Baylor? Um, but yeah, he he he's revealed himself as the the guy on Baylor this year. As for this week, um, you know, pretty decent games. A pretty decent games. Uh, we're we're recording this on Wednesday night. Only one podcast for everyone this week. Um, decent games. My eyes on the Providence though. Can Providence keep it going? They're going into Philly. They're playing Villanova at noon on Saturday. If Providence wins this game, like they're on a heater right now. Don't get me wrong. They, they, I think they're pretty firmly in the tournament just because the bubble stinks to high heavens. But if they can get this win on the road at Villanova, they're a lock. Uh, that that'll be a great game. Keep an eye on Texas too. Texas, like everyone's been retweeting and tweeting. The photo of Shaka Smart having an empty stadium, but he's quietly won three straight games, and he's got a huge one in Lubbock on beat on West Saturday. Virginia. This beat West really Virginia. Uh, the momentum is there, and he can put himself in there. And I would say, for me, the biggest game. I'm kind of torn between these two, but they they did a good job staggering the games on Saturday this week. They're going to have Auburn going into Rupp on uh, at 3:45. Frankly, I think Kentucky's going to kill them. Auburn is not the same team on the road. That's, Auburn, uh, that's actually one forty-five your time because you'll be out here. Uh, oh yeah, shit. I appreciate that. Got still got to adjust. One forty-five. Kentucky's probably going to ragdoll them right there. Just Auburn. I'm, I'm. I've been saying this all year. I'm picking against them in that first weekend. I don't think they're going to get out of there just because they they're just like in a different universe when they're playing at home. And then for me, a shark game are my two guys, Michigan State and Maryland, are facing off in College Park on Saturday night. I think that's going to be a great game. Yeah, I, you know, the game that I have, um, it's not going to be the most important game of the day, but it might be uh, the one that tells us the most of the future of these two teams, and that's Penn State at Iowa. Iowa actually just lost to Michigan State uh, during the recording of this podcast, which was at Michigan State, so not a bad loss by any means. But that's their ninth or tenth loss on the season. And as much as we love Iowa and want them to go far and, you know, they have Luca Garza, you know, ten losses is a lot. And Penn State, obviously, they've been riding a high, but they've lost a couple in a row. So that'll be a big one to me to, uh, to say, OK, can Iowa win the necessary games to get them a good seed in the tournament? Or then from the flip side, was Penn State's success just a flash in the pan, a flash in the pen? Or was it is it actually sustainable? Can they go on the road? cut off a losing streak and, and beat a good team kind of cement themselves as a, you know, a, a top top five or six seed in, in the tournament. So that's the biggest one I'm looking at there going back just a second. I would be remiss if I didn't add to your point about that Baylor uh, Kansas game that as had 23 and 19. Yeah. He's, he's an animal. And that's the reason that going forward here, if Kansas does make a run to the final four of the national championship, you know, Jared Butler is great. And I, and I really like Jared Butler, but we can probably find another Jared Baylor on or Jared Butler on five to 10 other teams in the country. How many other Azubukis are there on, on in the country? No, they don't, they don't grow. They don't grow. Yeah. It's crazy. Guys they, like that. They now grow seven foot two, 270 guys. Uh, yeah. He um, really is an animal. Um, anything else you want to talk about, uh, in this coming weekend before we get to some segments here? No, I'm good, but I'll be in Scottsdale. I'll, I'll see you. It, maybe uh, it'll be nice to get us all together for once. Yeah. But, right. Hey, 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 yeah where, where's the best, where's the best sports bar to watch games in Scottsdale? 
all over the place. Yeah, no, you, you got to pick one. You got you got to know a sports bar for district. every city. District. Right, district. Maya. I bet you guys spend three separate. I bet you go to district slash Maya on three separate occasions over the weekend. I would guess. Right. I'll yeah, remember that, that. That would be my guess. And I'll be meeting you there at least one one of those days, I'm sure. Well done. So before we get to some segments, here's a message from Zach. All right. So I have a, a different version of where am I for this week. And it's for a, a Kansas one and done who was supposed to be the next big thing. He was the third recruit uh, or third, third highest recruit. Uh, rated recruit when he came to college, and that's Xavier Henry. Now, m- many of you probably remember Xavier Henry from, you know, a partial NBA career, and we don't like to necessarily pick people who have NBA careers, but I went down this path of trying to figure out what had happened to Xavier Henry, and he had gotten hurt, and he had decided to try and make a comeback, signed a a, a spring training deal or training camp deal, uh, for the uh, Warriors in 2016, got hurt again, and then he went and played for another G League team, the Oklahoma City Blue, in 2017, and fell off the map. I took two to three hours to try and figure out what had happened to Xavier Henry or where he was at. I could not find him. I couldn't find his LinkedIn I couldn't find his. I found his I found his pages, but he hasn't tweeted since 2015. His Instagram has been deleted. His Facebook hasn't been updated since 2015. And I guess we're going to turn this around and hope that you guys, the listeners, the fellow theater goers can help us find Xavier Henry because he was he was great at Kansas. He was uh, a Big 12 all freshman. He was uh, like I said the third highest rated recruit in the country, average 13. A four, two, and two at Kansas on 42% three-point shooting. He was kind of supposed to be the next big thing. Six, six wing, uh, kind of your classic uh, NBA player. Only people who graded out higher than him in his recruiting class were Avery Bradley and Derek Favors. And they had, you know, Avery Bradley still in the NBA, DeMarcus Cousins, John Wall right behind him in those recruitings, uh, still in the NBA, obviously. So, uh, Xavier Henry, where are you? I guess this isn't a where am I, this is a where are you segment. It's a legitimate question. It's weird to see a guy that was a lottery pick kind of just fall off. I hope he's all right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that that's pretty strange. Like to, to, to think that his career didn't pick up anywhere else. Like I get that sometimes people don't, it doesn't work out for him in the NBA, but you know, we don't know where he is at this point. Well, and I'm going to feel like an idiot if he's been playing this whole time, and and I'm, I'll I'll eat that. But I went through like the Euro basketball sites, couldn't find him. I, I, you know, obviously like his Wikipedia. I can't find his brother CJ Henry, who also went to. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't find him either. I found like 90 Xavier Henrys. You know, all in, they were all in France, but not <laughs> not this not this Xavier Henry. You ever get? You ever watch that TV show on Netflix about the stalker called You? Yeah, is that me? No, no, no. I'm okay. saying like that that guy could probably track down Xavier Henry like that. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that guy will go to deep corners of the internet for people. So I didn't start on the train of wanting to find because obviously again we try and find players that are more that don't have really have an NBA career. But just the fact that he he was fairly notable in his year at Kansas and that you know, we were all in college at that time and you know, I followed recruiting pretty highly at the time and still do, but not quite as highly as then. But that class was awesome. He was pretty good at Kansas. He was expected to be kind of a stud. And then all of a sudden, couldn't find him anymore. So if anyone out there has any information as to the whereabouts of Xavier Henry, please let us know. So that's our, where are you? What's (laughs) happened to you? Not where am I? Where are you? So you have any hugs there this week? Yeah, I'll give my hug. And for, um, you know, every once in a while, I like to kind of like repeat the point of these segments. When we do hug for you. Hug for you is a play on Jose Canseco when he was tweeting his balls off probably like six years ago. Whenever um, he would tweet at someone, he would always put hug for you at the end of it. So this is on uh, for those of you, those new listeners that we've picked up along the path here. That's what we mean by hug for you. Just like a props to you. Jose Canseco, hug for you. My hug this week is for 
I haven't decided if I'm going to give it to Jim Beheim or Ken Palm because those two are fighting. But I kind of liked it. You got this old crusty guy in Beheim who's old school basketball, old school stats. I'm, I'm kind of like the traditional scout. I, I know what I'm seeing. And then you got Ken Palm, who's some nerd behind a keyboard that put together his entire, like, kind of pretty much created his own system, his own formula to determine what's good and what's bad. So you got Krusty Beheim saying, I know what's good. And then you got nerd Pomeroy saying, this is what's actually good. And you have them clashing. And Beheim had some funny quotes, basically saying, you know, to think that somebody knows who's at fault when somebody scores against our zone is the craziest thing. I've never heard of it until I've heard of this Ken Palm guy. Uh, apparently he gets paid a lot of money to do just all these things. Um, that was funny. And then Ken Palm kind of tweeted at him. And then it's, it's good to see that you can have, it's just like baseball, right? Like where you got the old school scouts that are saying one thing, then you got the fat nerds like Jonah Hill saying money is the real thing, but we kind of have that in college basketball right now. So hug, hug for that. So I'm going to go with a, I guess an actual heartfelt hug. So sorry for stepping off what is the actual premise or the, oh, the, I mean, the original premise, but yeah. Jose Canseco gives heartfelt hugs. Yeah, so. okay, that's true. Yeah. Bare, yeah. Like big hugs too. So I'm going to go, I'm going to give a hug to uh, Sabrina Ionescu, uh, Oregon's star uh, women's basketball player there who helped memorialize Kobe Bryant yesterday in his speech, flew up or flew up to the Bay Area, played at Stanford uh, in an away game and then became the first player, the first player, not the first woman or the man, the first player uh, to accrue 2,000 points, 1,000 boards, and 1,000 assists in their career. That's pretty cool uh, just that she had that big of an impact on, uh, on Gigi Bryant's life, on Kobe's life, and then also to accomplish uh, a feat like that in the same day. That's a, that's a full day. I mean, I'm not trying to compare her to anyone else, but you had NBA players who sat out uh, that day uh, after being at Kobe's um, memorial, my only question is, what did she have to like take a Southwest flight to Stanford? Would they have a lot? Would is it an improper benefit if like Nike were to have flown her out to the to to speak? I feel like that's that's how asinine the NCAA is. Is that they would like punish someone for doing that? That's a good point. Um, I would hope that they're not asking those questions or launching those investigations. But, you know, really nothing is beyond these guys sometimes. No, that's not Maybe they did, yeah. That's how big of assholes these guys probably are. Like, uh, can you please send us your Southwest ticket, please? Uh, who did – did you get a drink coupon? Who did you get that drink coupon on the flight? Was it an Oregon booster? So, yeah. yeah. But, no, but really, a uh, hug for Sabrina Ionescu. Uh, one more thing for you, Shark. Can you give an off-the-top-of-the-head grade of our performance here today without our lead point guard? I think we are advancing through the first weekend. If if I'm going to take, like, we're not playing our best ball. I mean, coming into this, no doubt, we're like a two seed. You know, we're not Titus and Tate. We're not like, eh, we're not uh, Rothstein's podcast. But I think we're a two seed when you're talking podcasts about college basketball, strictly college basketball. I have a friend tell me when I when he, he asked me, you know, what, what's the deal with your show? You you only appeal to an extremely niche market of the of the internet. I'm like, you know what we do? This is very niche. This is for a bunch of freaks that like this sport. You're right. But within that niche, we're a two seed right now. So I think we went in there, we played pretty sloppy in the beginning against the 15 seed Montana. Like we were struggling. Those guys kind of punched us in the face where we got ourselves up off the mat. We finished the game. We didn't cover. We definitely didn't cover. But then we went into that second game. We played the seventh seed, beat the bag out of them, and we're surviving and advancing, baby. We'll see you next week. Mama, she always told me it would happen She never said that it would happen like this Mama said some little girl will catch a napping Some little girl will get to you with a kiss You got to meet
Tumbling to the ground 